Let's give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. I search the world, but he couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade never You came along and put me back together. My every desire is now satisfied here in love. Highways, you're the only 
have a seat if you have an empty seat maybe towards the middle of the room so this side this way this side this way that would be really helpful if you could scoot in uh, as people continue to come in we want to make sure that we can have seats for them as you do that then you can be seated just for a minute or two I want to say welcome to our weekly worship gathering you're going to hear a lot this morning uh, from Abel's teaching from the Word of God on why we scatter why we spread out in our city and do life and small groups together. But this morning we get to gather together and worship our God together. And we get to do it with a choir this morning, which is really fun. I, I, I realized, I don't think I've been in a choir since I was a soprano because my voice hadn't changed yet. And so it's a sweet morning for me to get to do this again and to be just part of this visual representation up here that is all of us, that we get to worship our God together. And one of the words that you're going to hear over and over again in different songs that we sing is this word, hallelujah. And you've probably sung that before, but if you don't know what it means, it comes from kind of a combo of two Hebrew words. Hallel, or hallelujah, is to sing a song of praise. And then yah is the shortened form of our Hebrew word for God, which is Yahweh. And so when you sing, when we sing hallelujah, we're literally singing about singing a song to our God and magnifying him with the praise that he deserves. And that's what we are invited into this morning. You know, we get to do that and it's really special when one of us sings that hallelujah to the Lord. But man, when we come together as a body of believers with lots of brokenness coming from lots of different backgrounds and we get to stand shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm with each other and declare that together, it's beautiful. And so that's what you're invited into this morning. If you would stand as we move back into a time of worship, I want, I want to read this passage over us. Psalm 34, verses one through three, and I'll read it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Sing a word to sing. 
Hallelujah. It's a good thing to sing praise to our God. Praise is beautiful and praise is fitting for Him. Amen? Come on, let's lift it up.
commit our lives to you. We commit our hearts to you. We commit the things that we are protecting to you because you're trustworthy with them. Lord, we build our lives on the foundation of your love, on the truth that we are children dearly loved. Lord, teach us how to live out of that more than anything else. We want to know you. We want to see who you are because that you're the one who changes our hearts. Show us who you are this morning. We open our hearts and our minds to you. We ask you to instruct us and lead us in your love to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Worshiping together is one of the many gifts God has given us, isn't it? It's a great, great gift. Uh, how about you? Are you a good gift giver? Do you enjoy the process of thinking about someone to get a gift for, looking for it, shopping, purchasing it, giving it on uh, special occasions or for no reason at all? Sarah and I were talking about uh, gift givers, and uh, we think Amy Wilhelm, I don't know if you all know Amy Wilhelm, she's a teacher in the Bentonville School District, is the best gift giver we have ever seen. Like, she probably gives five to ten gifts a week for probably reasons. Um, a, a lot of times, it's not. She brought us a gift on Wednesday. I'm not sure why, um, but we are grateful for it. Um, people that have the gift of gift giving are some really fun to people to be around, and I'm enamored by them because I am so terrible. I really am a terrible gift giver. If I were a good gift giver, I would have gotten something for uh, one of our elders and one of my heroes, Dick Nervig, and, or my teammate Bart um, for the last 10 years. Uh, today is their birthday, and, uh, and one of them is 75. So um, really, really grateful for those two guys, but I did not get them a gift. Um, I assume that I'm not the only one who is not good at giving gifts. Uh, there have been some special events or occasions that on the day, I go, oh man, I should have thought about this. I should have planned and gotten a gift. Um, the reason I think that there are some of, some of you out there is because they say there's a little bit of truth behind every joke, and that's why I think you might find this video funny.
Nervous laughter. Nervous laughter. <laughs> sweat. A little bit of sweat. Uh, yeah, that's, that is funny. And I got a robe. Um, so today we are talking about gifts. Not these kinds of gifts. Not physical gifts. Not presents. But we're talking about the gifts that God has given each one of you to be used in his body for his glory. And so we're in the second part of our little three-part launch series called God's Heart. Last week, Hunter kicked it off with God's heart for our life, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Today, we're going to talk about God's heart for our life together. We're going to talk about community and being involved in the body of Christ. And then next week, we'll talk about God's heart for our city, for mission. And uh, so let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in to today, God's heart for our life together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity to open your word together. Thank you for the gift it is to be part of your body. Lord, we invite you um, to just shepherd us, lead us, guide us. Lord, you are the potter, we are the clay, we are all the work of your hands, and we entrust ourselves to you freshly again today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you got your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. We'll continue where we left off last week. We, we covered verses 1 and 2. Today we're going to cover verses 3 through 8. So if you got your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by God's grace, by, by the grace given to me, I say to each one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. I love that Paul starts here, coming out of the first exhortation he gives us, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. He immediately leads into humility and saying, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. The world's pattern is to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Augustine got it right. 1,600 years ago when he said, for those who would learn God's ways, humility is the first thing, humility is the second thing, humility is the third. Humility is foundational if we hope to make progress in our relationship with the Lord. A definition of humility that I really like is humility is seeing yourself as you truly are, nothing more, nothing less. Some of us have a tendency to see ourselves as more than we are. Some of us have a tendency to see ourselves as less than we actually are. The trick is seeing ourselves as God sees us. That's our goal, is to see ourselves as the Lord sees us. So if you struggle with seeing yourself more highly than you ought, if pride is kind of your besetting sin, I'd recommend two things. The first thing is read God's Word regularly. There is something that happens when we open up his word and we put ourselves under it. When we say that his word is above us and we are below it, he is the master and we are the servant. He is the potter, we are the clay. He's the boss, he's in charge, and we put ourselves in right standing before the Lord when we open his word and read it. Secondly is... Thinking of ourselves in the context of, of 
kind of the whole universe. That really helps us with appropriate smallness. Have you all seen the pictures from the Webb Space Telescope? Have you all seen those came out in early August? Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing stuff. Um, the, they talk about having images 77,600 light years away, mil, a million miles away. And uh, what is interesting, if you do watch any of the, the videos associated with the Webb Space Telescope, this is not a guarantee that humility will come from this. A lot of our, our U.S. government officials like, are patting ourselves on the back for discovering what God has made. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing to see like, how awesome we are when we are, our galaxy is a grain of sand in the universe, our galaxy. Our planet is a grain of sand in our galaxy. We are grains of sand on our planet, and uh, somehow they are able to be prideful in the midst of that. It's truly, truly amazing. Um, so some of you struggle with, with not seeing yourself as valuable as you are. You struggle with, with, with worth, with seeing your value. And uh, you may know that the, the, the value of any object is what someone is willing to pay for it. So this is a picture of a 1910 uh, baseball card. It's a Honus Wagner, and it is about that big, and it is an old piece of paper. It is 112 years old, and it is uh, a painted image of a guy with a middle part and a collar that's too large. Um, two weeks ago, this card sold for $7.25 million. This card is worth $7.25 million because that's what someone is willing to pay for it. You and I are the same exact way. One of the most familiar Bible verses tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And so if you struggle with uh, not feeling valuable, you really need to realize you're worth the value, the life of God's son. That's your value. That's what God was willing to pay for you. And so sink into that. Don't let that pass you by. Each of us is not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, rather to think of ourselves with sober judgment. That's a great start to this passage. Verse 4, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. This is a great, again, I love that Paul uses the analogy of a body. All of us are embodied creatures. We all know how bodies function. We all know that we have lots of parts to our body, yet our body functions as one. And so it really makes sense for us as we think about the church. It's a very relatable word picture. So we are, we are part of the body, of one body, because we have one Lord, one Savior, one Spirit. And Jesus is the head of the body. Oftentimes here people lament the fact that we have uh, multiple denominations. People say clear sign of disunity. And in some cases, 
probably so. Honestly, I think, though, we are so different. You can't get five of us in a room together and agree on something. So, honestly, I, I feel like it's just expressions, it, different flavors that God has given us. And, uh, and we need to focus on the fact that we are part of one body. I love this, uh, this other quote that is attributed to Augustine. He says, in essentials, unity. Non-essentials, liberty or freedom. But in all things, charity or love. And so as we operate here at a local church in Bentonville, Arkansas, we want to be charitable to other denominations, uh, other churches. We want to we be part of this one body. We want to build up the body of Christ here locally and also see it flourish across the globe. We are part of one body. Johnny Erickson Tata said, believers are never told to become one. We already are one and are expected to act like it. Well said, well said. Now, we have many members of the body. Here at Fellowship, look around. There are many members of this local body. But also, each of our local churches is part of the Church Universal, the capital C Church. And we, we are many, many members within that church. Each part of us, each of us has a different part to play. We do not all have the same function. Have you all ever heard the saying, the only normal people are the ones you don't know very well? You all heard that? That is true. That is true. The more, once I get to know people, I'm so relieved that they are as strange as I am. It really is a great relief to me. I'm like, man, you are a weirdo, just like me. It's awesome. Um, we, we are all so different, but isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? It would be terrible if each of us walked around if we were all noses or all eyes or all legs. It would be, uh, it would be very, very boring. But God's given us each a different function to play within the body of Christ. The last thing we see in this couple of verses is that each member belongs to the others. This is where humility comes back in. And this is not an American concept. You know, our, our country was founded um, by us saying we don't belong to you, right? So we are, we are proud of our independence and we are proud of uh, just being, being on our own and uh, with uh, with AC, with TVs, we can really exist independently from a lot of other people, but we do belong to one another. You ever notice that our body parts never call attention to themselves unless there's something wrong? So I have never uh, gone home when Sarah asked me how my day was and said, it was a great day. My elbows, they just worked. It was like, it was an awesome day. Never, I've never said that. Because when our body is functioning the way it should, with each part belonging to each other, never calls attention to, our, to itself. And it's the same way with our church body, with our local body. As we are operating and realizing we're belonging to one another, there's, there's nobody that gets the credit. Nobody, no one person. We want to point to Jesus. He gets the credit. There's a great saying we have around here, um, and it says that we, we want to see God's fingerprints everywhere and our name 
nowhere. God's fingerprints everywhere, but our name nowhere, because we each belong to one another. Moving on to verse 6. Our gifts are given by God for his body. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Our gifts are not from us, and they are not for us. They are grace gifts from God used to build up his body. And so use your gift. Prophesy, serve, teach, encourage, give generously, lead, show mercy. Use the gift that God has given you for the glory, for his glory, and to edify the church. In, our, in the way fellowship is set up, we have a cell celebration model church. And so we gather on Sundays to celebrate who God is and what he's done. And then we scatter into cells all across northwest Arkansas and on every night of the week in homes, in uh, apartment buildings, in restaurants, and we express the body of Christ um, in our, locally. And so we, we see that gifts are really best used in the context of small groups here at Fellowship, just the way we're organized. This is our community group. We, uh, we love these folks. This is most of us, not all of us. And it is so fun to see the gifts that we talk about in this passage being used in, this, in our community group. So Jeff and Michelle love to host. They have the gift of generosity. They love having people in their home. And we come to their house, and, and I feel bad sometimes, like, don't want anybody else to host. They love it. It brings them so much joy. We have others in our group that are really good at leading, really good at serving, really good at encouraging, really good at showing mercy. And you get to see the body operate just in our one little small group. And really, it moves to the, to the next point that our gifts are best used in the context of relationships. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us to try to use these gifts outside of relationships. Like for the first century church that's here in this in Rome, it wouldn't make a lot of sense for them to have, uh, they, all they really were is a small group. Um, and so they, they use it in the context of relationships. Well, here's, here's the big idea that we see in this passage. God's heart for our life together is that each of us is an active member of his body and uses the gifts he has given us to build up his body. And so if that's God's heart for us, to, to be an active part of his body and to use the gifts he's given us to build up the body, what does it look like? What's a picture of that? And I think Chris and Taylor's story give us a really good picture of what that can look like here at Fellowship. If I didn't get involved within service and community within fellowship, or if we don't get involved, I think it can be a scary situation. Left to our own desires, I believe we'll probably follow the, the passions of our heart and are those aligned with Christ. 
I grew up in the Dallas, Texas area. I grew up in just amazing family. It was definitely a blessed there to grow up in a loving, caring, two-parent home. Since a very early stage, just Christ was implemented within. Went to uh, the University of Arkansas, was involved in athletics as well as, of course, academically. I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I also grew up in a Christian household, had the, the blessing of that. Uh, I also came to know Christ at a young age. Uh, I was about six years old when I accepted Jesus and uh, made the decision to get baptized when I was in middle school um, and then continued my faith journey throughout high school and uh, into college where I also did athletics at the University of Arkansas. We didn't know each other yet. And then after I graduated and, and stayed in the area, I moved to Benville and, and got involved with fellowship. Um, I had played a sport and so was involved in a team, and that had been my family, um, you know, all four years, and I was accustomed to you know, having been in athletics for 16 years, always having that family unit, that team dynamic, and so when that ended, I, I realized two things. I realized, one, that I'd been placing a lot of my identity in that sport, um, and I also realized that I needed I needed that family unit. I needed a team, and so fellowship just became that for me, became a family uh, our community group did. I didn't really know that many people in the area, um, but really sought after the community aspect and, and just the community and body of, of believers at Fellowship helped lead me in the right direction, get me involved in, in student ministry as well as young adult ministry to um, just really help walk alongside the, the phase of life I was in. We actually met uh, several years after whenever I moved back to this area um, and we met in community group. There's been a lot of counseling and community leading into um, getting married throughout the entire dating process. I would say there was a lot of intentionality. I think one of the benefits though is having a body of believers that are surrounding us, praying for us, just a, um, a solid foundation of community that's really here to support us uh, throughout life. I wanted to surround myself with a community of women that have been through those stages of life and have lived those things and could be able to pour into me um, and give uh, give Christ-like advice. I sought out some some ladies in the church who were a little bit older and wanted to study the Bible together and we get together and, and do DBS and just share life together. I really needed those mentors and those those discipleship leaders to kind of help me grow in my faith and through their investment it's led me to get involved in leading a cell group um, where I can pour into uh, girls who are um, going through some of the same things that I went through in high school and, and be that that voice that I maybe didn't have at, at that stage in life. I think one of the great things that uh, God places in our life is um, just these passions and, and talents that are create these opportunities for us to really pursue. And, and through that, one, one for me is music. And having the opportunity to serve within um, the music ministry at, at Fellowship has been just an amazing opportunity to continue to grow within uh, learning instruments and music, practicing, as well as just serving the body of Christ. It's really cool to see when our passions align with when we present it to the Lord and how we can utilize that for worship. And um, serving within student ministry has definitely done that. Now that we're married and um, have entered into a new community group. We've now transitioned into a multi-generational community group, which I think is, is very suiting for just the stage of life that we're going into. And we get to spend time with, um, with singles and with families as well who have younger kids. 
Um, so really great for us to just get to learn from each other and observe um, those, those new stages of life kind of as we enter into this one. We would have two challenges take that scary step maybe and talk to someone, ask about community, also reach out and make sure that we're not just walking past people, that, that we're smiling, saying hello, asking uh, people for their names to make those uh, situations more inviting. There's just a, an amazing opportunity for us as the Body of Christ as well as fellowship to serve non-believers, to serve believers well and just be the light being a smaller campus now, you know, if we see someone that we don't know, it, it does open up an opportunity to have a conversation and say hello. Having that smaller base uh, makes it easier to have more intentional conversations with, with newer people. That's a great story. That's a couple that's using their gifts to edify the body. And we have a ton of Chris and Taylors out here. We have an amazing body of believers that we get to be a part of. Um, when I talk to new people uh, to fellowship, they're like, we are really enjoying fellowship. And I say, wait till you get to know the people. Like, <laughs> that's the best part of the church. They are the church, actually. And they are, uh, we just have such a great, great body of believers. And, um, and so community... And small groups is the way that we get to use our gifts primarily. Um, for sure, there's lots of other ways, but um, we can express our gifts in the context of small groups. We believe that our small groups at fellowships are, are, at fellowship are a place to belong, a place to grow, a place to serve, and a place to multiply. We'll start with belong. 99% of people join a small group because they want to belong. They are looking for friends, especially if they're new to the area or new to fellowship. They join because they want to have other friends. They want to be known. They want to be loved. They want to be a, find a place where they can be themselves and plug in. And I think uh, we have such a great opportunity to help people belong. My favorite way uh, for people to belong is, is organically, relationally. And so I love the stories when people say, I got invited to three or four community groups. We finally decided to go because we were invited so many times. And when people make those connections naturally, organically, well, the belonging really seems to make sense. Whether it's at, uh, in our neighborhood or in our apartment or um, just from school or just those natural relational connections can really help people belong and then to grow, we, we want our small groups to be a really like a greenhouse for growth, for people to be able to uh, plug in and then just start growing. I don't know about you, but I, I'm really, I benefit a lot from structure, from, from some tracks to run on in terms of growth. I think that's why some of these group fitness classes are so uh, popular is because people they, they're like, man, I exercise a whole lot harder when I'm with other people, when I have that accountability. And growing together is, uh, is really a good, small groups is really a great structure to grow together. Fellowship's created uh, a tool, a resource for us to use this fall. So in two weeks, we're going to start our Ephesians series. 
And we have a study guide that Fellowship's produced. It's for sale at the booth after the service. You can download it as well for free, but this is a, a good tool for us to use this fall as we seek to grow together. We come to Christ one by one, but we grow together. That's how it works. Uh, an illustration that makes sense to me because I like to burn fires in our fireplace all winter long. In fact, we don't turn on the heater in the winter. Uh, that's how cheap I am. Um, and it actually works. It actually really does heat our house. We've got one of these little fireplaces. It's high efficiency, and um, we, we're burning fires like crazy all winter long. And uh, our kids get very upset with me when I don't have a fire going. Um, one of the things I notice about, about fires is that when we're low on wood and I've only got a piece of, uh, of firewood to start a fire with, really hard to start. Like if I have just one log, really, really hard to start, really, really hard to keep going, and does not burn very hot at all. But if I can stoke that thing with eight or ten logs, it, it gets going. It starts up instantly. It, you can't even hope to put it out, and it burns really, really, really hot. And I think we are like that. I think each of us is like that. Mark mentioned a couple weeks ago that he told his son, you know what you call a Christian who is going about the Christian life without any other believers? Lost. Lost is what he said. And so if we don't have other relationships, if we don't have other community, we're going against God's design for us. And so we want to be like that that stoked fire where uh, easy to start, easy to keep going, and burn really brightly, really hot. That is a key to our growth. And then serving. There are three ways that serving is expressed um, in the context of small group. One, within our group. It's almost impossible to stop serving from happening within a small group. I don't even, I don't, I don't think it's possible to stop it from happening. Just by the mere fact that people are having you into their home, they're serving. By the mere fact that someone is facilitating a Bible discussion, they're serving happening. By the mere fact that we're praying for one another, we are going to serve within our small group. So this really happens naturally. Serving happens very, very naturally. We don't have to overmanage that within our small group. Um, really cool story about one small group, they serve within fellowship um, as greeters. So the Frank and Lampkin and Bruns group, there's a bunch of them that greet every Sunday. And they kind of talked about that as a small group. Hey, how are we going to serve on Sunday mornings? And uh, you, are, you will enjoy Sunday mornings the most when you worship one and serve one. And that's our vision for our body, that, that we would be a, a group of people that worships one service and serves another. And it's a great opportunity we have in early childhood, always has the most needs, um, elementary, FSM, special needs and disability, greeters, tech, worship, all over the place, ushers. We have a lot of opportunities for people to use their gifts to serve here on Sunday mornings. And then in our community, I heard a story about a month ago, um, one of our community group leaders goes to Onyx at least once a day. There might be an issue there. Um, and she has gotten to know the Onyx employees really well, like loves 
these Onyx employees. And she has uh, just brought some prayer requests to our community group, and the community groups prayed for these folks, and the group thought, you know what would be cool? Is if we made dinner for all these employees and their families, and y'all had them over. We would like to just make the dinner, get out of the way, and then y'all host it. And so they did that, and they had a great dinner, and, uh, and it was so simple to see the relationships that one person had, the group joining alongside of it, and just ministering in our community that way. It's a really cool opportunity that each of us has in our neighborhood, with different businesses that we may frequent, with our school, our relationship from school or the ball field, and uh, we as a group can serve in our community. And so we can serve within the group, at church, in our community. One of the ministries that a community group has uh, started is a, is a ministry to foster and adopt uh, families. So if you have a heart for that, they're meeting in the, in the foyer at the same booth that we're selling the books, and so you can go talk to someone about the foster and adopt support group that's just getting going. Um, next week, they'll have a kickoff luncheon. So last thing is multiply. Um, Jesus set an appointment with the disciples after his resurrection. Y'all know that? Y'all know he told his disciples Meet me on this mountainside in Galilee. I have something I want to tell you. So, I don't know. He probably didn't say it exactly like that. But he did set a, a post-resurrection appointment with the disciples. And so, they met him. Matthew 28, 16 says, They met him on the mountainside that he told them to meet him on. And then he had something to tell him. He said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you to the very end of the age. And so the disciples got a very clear message from their Savior. You are to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And we can use small groups to make disciples. Whether people know the Lord or they don't know the Lord, whatever walk of life... We can invite people to be part of our small group and to grow as disciples of Jesus. One of the, um, the things that uh, our mission movements are finding is that small groups are a great way to multiply disciples. They have a movement called the Disciple Making Movement, and they're using Discovery Bible Study, and they're just opening God's Word with people who may or may not follow and uh, when someone comes to Christ, they start more groups. And they're seeing hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ all across the globe using this very, very, very simple method of disciple-making movements. And so we can multiply disciples with small groups. Also, leaders. Fellowship's mission statement is to produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ to Northwest Arkansas and the world. We want to be a leadership factory. We want to see leaders produced and released regularly around here. You know who grows the most in a small group? The leader. The leader always grows the most. So if you want to grow, become a leader. That is my pitch to you. It is a great uh, growth opportunity. Uh, we say that a spiritual leader is just a maturing disciple with a ministry focus. That's our definition 
of a spiritual leader here at Fellowship, a maturing disciple with a ministry focus. And last one is multiply groups, Ah, the dreaded group multiplication idea. Um, we, uh, we encourage groups to multiply here. And the reason is we think that groups have a life cycle. And at some point, the, the comfort level is at a, at a place and the, that to kind of halt the spiritual growth of the group, of those within the group. And so we, do, we don't bust up groups. We don't say you have to multiply, but we lead with vision. We encourage, and we ask a few questions. We say, how is your group reaching out to others? Do you all have an empty chair? Is your group open to others? Um, are you producing and releasing spiritual leaders? Do you have a, a apprentice leaders? Do you have leaders that are, are coming up in the group? And then is your group growing? Do you, do you have that sharp edge of spiritual growth? And new groups bring new life and bring new growth. And so that's why we encourage groups to multiply as well. Let me end on this quote from Rick Warren. He said, only you can be you. God designed each of us so that there would be no duplication in the world. No one has the exact same mix of factors that make you unique. That means no one else on earth will ever be able to play the role God has planned for you. If you don't make your unique contribution to the body of Christ, it won't be made. Good. God's heart for our life together is that each of us would use the gifts that he's given us to edify his body and to bring him glory. And so will you join us? Will you jump in? Will you be a part of a small group, use your gifts to edify uh, the, the body there? Will you worship one? Will you serve one with, with us? Will you join us as we seek to make Christ known in our community? We have a community team that is here to help with this. And so uh, this is our team. Let me quickly introduce you to everyone. First, starting from the left, this is Sarah Ernst, and she is our admin extraordinaire. She keeps us all on task. She's awesome. She is a go-getter. We are grateful for Sarah. That's me in my green shirt, and I get the privilege of leading our community team and where we get to help people at Fellowship belong, grow, serve, and multiply. Hunter is focused on our youngest adults, college, uh, single young adults, married young adults, uh, young families with preschool age kids, and then our multi-generational groups as well. Beth has been on staff for over 30 years. She told me to tell you all she started when she was 11. And so she, uh, she focuses on our women in community. So her and Leodra are, are focused on families with school age kids, those community groups this year. Kathy's our care coordinator. So this is, this is caring for people within our body. Think our, our card-writing ministry, meals, benevolence. Kathy does a great job with our care ministry. Jennifer is our captain connector. She, she helps people, uh, new people and longtime fellowship people, get connected to small groups. And so Jennifer, that's her role. Leodra started this week, and along with Beth, is focused on women in community, and Stephanie also started this week, and she's focused on women's small groups, and our team would love to visit with you after the service. That whole crew is out at the community booth, and I'm going to run right after this and be out there as well, so 
Um, we hope that you will jump into a small group this fall. Fall is the time. Fall is the time to jump in. It's really the launch, the beginning of our ministry year. And a lot of these groups start now and grow, go throughout the whole year. So we want to end our service by uh, praying for our small group leaders. So if you are a small group leader, would you stand for us? Early childhood, elementary, community small group leader. Yep, they're good. Thank you, Mark and Lisa. Yes, there are, there are probably a hundred of y'all in here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some time to make sure that everyone is standing that needs to be standing. Um, we are so grateful for our small group leaders. Elementary, early childhood, FSM, special needs and disability, discover, uh, community, men's, women's. We have all kinds of expressions of small groups, and you are the backbone of our ministry here at Fellowship, and we are so grateful for you. Let me pray a blessing over you um, as we're starting Ephesians coming up. Let me pray Paul's uh, prayer for the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1 as we close the service. Lord, I pray that these leaders would have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that has worked within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We love you, fellowship. God bless you. Have a great week.